Well, good morning. Good to see all of y'all here today. Everybody over on the far yards, can you hear all right? I'm getting thumbs up, so that means we're good. want to start off this morning uh, by thanking each and every one of you for being here. And let's go to the Lord in prayer and thank Him for allowing this. Father, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we, we praise your name that today, Father, we can gather, Lord, differently than we normally do. Father, it's still in a church. It's just your church outdoors. And Father, we read in, God, in your word how many times your son taught from the mountainsides, from the seashore, and even from the water itself. So Lord, as we gather outside today, we know your presence is here. We know you are with us. And Lord, we know that you will be with us through all of life's trials and troubles and temptations and snares that come at us. So Father, today we thank you. Lord, we thank you for a freedom that you granted us to be able to gather together, Lord, whether it's outside or inside, to worship, honor, and praise you. So, Lord, today we come to you with thanksgiving in our courts and in our hearts and love and praise and honor for you and your Son, Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, we just ask that you be with all services across the land today, Lord. Whatever they do, however how they do it, Father, we ask that your presence overflows, infills, and uplifts each and every heart. And, Father, we praise your name and we pray all of this in your Son's holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. This morning we started out last week by having Tucker come up and, and tell us that he has accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. And that was real exciting, and I'm so glad to hear that. And then Wednesday, as I was sharing that with our pastor group, one of the other pastors said, I've had something happen this past week I've never had happened before. And he said he had the opportunity to sit with a family and talk with them. And all six members of that family accepted Christ before he left the room. So their first Sunday back, they're going to baptize an entire family in their baptistry when they come home. And that is exciting to know that God is still in the saving business. And speaking of being in business, we will be having church next Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. We will be down at Baxter Springs at the old Walmart parking lot. Now the service time will change next Sunday. We will be meeting at 10 o'clock. And the reason for that is KNEO Radio will be carrying the service live. And so they are donating that time for us to use. And so they have someone that has already slated the 11 o'clock hour. So we're going to change and meet at 10 o'clock, and we will have a service. Now, we encourage you to come in and park on the southeast or southwest end of the parking lot. And we'll have people out to help guide and direct. We've got a big flatbed semi-trailer that we'll be using as a stage that morning. And we'll have Bethel's worship team leading us in worship. 
and then I'll bring the message. And after that, the worship team at Bethel is looking at just doing about an hour-long praise and worship session if you want to stay and be a part of that. So I encourage you to come next week. I encourage you to invite friends and family. And again, do like we're doing here. Come, stay in your cars. We cannot be out mingling and walking around. It's okay for those that are directing as long as we're not climbing in and out of each other's cars. So come, park in your car, and let's worship the Lord together. Okay? If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with us to 1 Samuel 17, verses 23 through 25. I will be glad to be able to get our youth back up on stage to be able to read these scriptures because some of these words in a southern accent just don't go together. So when these young people are able to get back in touch with us and able to come back up on our stages, we will go back to having the youth read our scripture for us. And I don't know about y'all, but I really miss seeing our youth participate in our services. 1 Samuel 17, verses 23 through 25. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistine and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And when the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And that shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. This morning I want to talk to us about naming our enemies. I want us to look at the the words that Samuel wrote this morning when he said that this man came up, the man from Philistine of Gath and Goliath by name. Today in our society in which we live, the devil has convinced us that everything is our own fault and everything is to be blamed on something else without giving blame to where it's actually supposed to be from. If we look around our world today, we will see that there are many, many positions that have been called essential for years that we are fastly seeing are not essential anymore. And I have nothing wrong with sitting down and watching a good movie or listening to a good concert or watching a good ball game. But we are finding out those are not the essential ones. We find that a lot of the beliefs that are coming out from people that are telling us they know every solution, that when there is a world crisis and a world pandemic, they have no answers. And yet we give them credit any other time for thinking that they know it all. And I'll be the first one to tell you that if I ever say I know it all, I'm wrong. 
I will never, if I live to be as old as Robin Jenkins, I'll never be able to say I know it all. And yes, I love picking on Robin because she's here. The fun part about it is I'd pick on her even if she wasn't here. But today in our society, we are told that it is not right to name what's going wrong. And the reason we don't want to name what's going wrong is because we don't want the blame to ever come back to it being our fault. Do you ever want to admit you did something wrong? Do you ever want to be the one that stands up and says, hey, that, that was my, my fault, I did that? We don't want to do that. And the world doesn't want to admit that they have an issue or a problem. They want to be able to look at things and they want to be able to give it something that makes people believe that everything's going to be okay when it's falling apart all the way around them. We need to call it by name what it is. Several years ago, and some of you that are my age or older will remember a, a fast food restaurant chain that had a name, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And we went to this place and we got fried chicken and we ate it. It was a good place to go. You could sit down, pick up a piece of chicken, have grease run down both arms, have to use a whole roll of paper towels to wipe off your chin, tuck them into your shirt to keep from soiling your shirt so you could go back to church Sunday night. Well, then a few years ago, there was a group of mamas and that decided that it, it terrified their children to know that the nuggets that they were eating and the, the, the food they were getting came from a chicken. They didn't want their children to know that. They didn't want their children to be involved in such a cruel activity as having to slaughter and kill an animal to be able to eat. And so they pressured a lot of the fast food places and they went out and they changed the way they do things and they threatened the boycott. And so Kentucky Fried Chicken changed its name to KFC. And the sad part about it is many, many, many Americans have no idea what KFC stands for. They just think it's a place to go and you get a product and you eat it and you enjoy it. So they changed the name to remove out any doubt of what they were eating. And the church today, we have done that with sin. We have changed sin over to something else and called it something different and something new besides sin because we want to continue to be able to do it and do it well and not have to be accountable for what we've done. I got Donna ringing her cowbell over here. I like that. Church, it's time we started naming what is wrong. David said, or Samuel wrote here, that they named the warrior that was coming at them. Church, today we need to start naming the warrior that's coming out after us. We need to start calling fear exactly what it is. It's a liar. There is no truth in fear. 
Fear will only make you run away. And that's what Satan wants us to do. The devil is telling us not to run toward God. That if we are to fear anything, we are to run away from it. But God says through His grace and His mercy and His strength that we don't have to be afraid and we can run toward God and find the peace that we need. We need to start calling things exactly what they are. And starting out calling sin, sin is the first place we've got to start. And you say, well, what is sin? The Greek and Hebrew definition is one step, one step off the path you are to travel. One step. So you say, well, well, pastor, it's okay if I... If I go down this road, it, it, it'll be all right. I can still see the highway. Or, or it's okay if I go over here and I, and, I, and I do just a little bit of this. It'll be okay. But the Bible still says that if you're lost and you're off track by one step, it's sin. And what is sin in man's eyes? Sin in man's eyes is anything somebody else is doing. Sin in their eyes is something that those people over there do. Sin, in other words, in other people's lives are that there is nothing wrong with how they live, how they act, how they talk, but it's everything to do with how somebody else is. I have actually heard people say, well, I know I'm a good person because I don't act like that family does. They're still lost, dying, and going to hell if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But yet, because they act different from somebody else, they dress different, they talk different, then they're better. Church, this morning, the only thing that's going to make any of us better is the blood of Jesus Christ. And without that blood, we're still on a pathway to hell because we're off the step and off the mark. Last night we watched a movie, Katie and I, and I, I cannot remember the name of it. True story about a young man down in Arkansas that played football. And he never drank, he always read his Bible, and he did things that were right. And his friends took him out one night and they tricked him, and they, they had a drink brought to him, and, and he began to drink it, and he, he liked it. And so at the end, when he said, I want another one, and they told him, we don't serve alcohol after this. And he began to get mad, and he got up and he left. And he went out, and he began to run, and he began to pray, and he began to talk to God. And before long, his friends that he had taken him out and tricked him, they began to join him. And they began to go with him, and they began to run with him. And before long after that, they began to go to Bible study with him. And they began to pray with him and they began to believe that his way was better than anything that they had done before in their own life. And before long, he had friends and he had players on that team there in Arkansas believing that God was the greatest thing there was. Because he didn't compromise his vision. He called sin, sin as he saw it. And he did not name it something else and say it was okay. Today in our lifetime, 
we are facing an attack from the enemy like we've never faced before. We are going up against something that we have never seen before in our life. And too many people have fallen into the devil's trap of saying there is no God because I cannot see him. There is no God because I cannot sit down in front of him and carry on a conversation and see his face. There is no God because he is not present with us in a physical body and there is nothing that I can do about it. And so they don't want us to talk about it. They don't want the world to know about it. They don't believe in it because they can't see it. But all around this world of ours that we have today, people are hiding in their homes and they're locked behind doors over a virus they cannot see. But yet they believe it is there. Now, I'm not making light of the virus. I know it's a bad deal, and I know that there are people that are dying from it. But I want to tell you this morning that it is not the virus that is the worst thing you'll ever hear. The worst thing that you'll ever hear is Jesus Christ saying, Depart from me, for I never knew you. And he'll be the one that says, You cannot enter in. Church, this morning, yes, we have a virus, and it's even talked about in 1 Peter. If you look in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, you'll find that Peter said that there will be a devil that is walking around like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He just acts like one. But he says that the whole world of the brotherhood will suffer. Has there ever been a time in our lifetime that you know that the whole world is suffering at the same time over the same thing? I can tell you right now, I've never seen it. I've never heard of the entire world being in fear. I've never heard of the entire world wanting to find something of peace of, of mind. In Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, it says, Be serious. Be serious. Church, it's time we started taking God's Word seriously. It's time that we started raising up concerns over our brothers and sisters, our lost family members, our lost neighbors, our lost communities. And it's time we took it seriously. And it's time that we become alert. The very next thing that Peter writes is be alert. Now I want to tell you I can drive down the road and if I don't open my eyes and I don't look around and I don't see everything that's around me and something runs out. I love the old insurance report that they said that the man was filling out and said, I was driving down the highway, and all of a sudden the telephone pole jumped in front of me. Well, the telephone pole did not move. He swerved off the road and hit it. And church, today, many of God's people are driving down the road, and we're not being alert, and we're being led astray. And when we run into sin, we just say, well, it run all over me. Sin doesn't have the authority to run over you. The only authority it has is what you give it. 
And if you open your arms and your heart and your doors and your eyes and your ears to sin, then it will run all over you. So church, we've got to be serious and take it. Be alert. For it says that our adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. My heart is broken this morning as we hear the reports coming out of all the people that are dying around the world from this virus. And it breaks my heart to know that family units are broken. It breaks my heart to know that people are being able, that people are dying because they're not safe and they're being out and they become sick. And it breaks my heart that people are having to die alone in hospital rooms because they will not allow family in with them. Satan is devouring up the family unit. But it also breaks my heart to know that there are reports coming out that in one day, in one day, in one city, 603 people died. They lost their lives. Not to the coronavirus, not to any kind of, of gun-related violence, not to any kind of drug overdose or any kind of fight or anything like that. 603 people in one city in abortion clinics lost their lives that day. And that was Thursday of this past week alone. And yes, I know the virus is serious, but church, we are slaughtering the future of this world and nobody is blinking an eye because they give it a right. They name it a right instead of naming it a sin. They name it a pleasure and a privilege of theirs that can't be taken away from them with no consideration of naming what the child is coming from. He's roaring like a lion, like a lion, but he's not a lion. There's only one true lion, and that's the lion from the tribe of Judah. That's Jesus Christ himself. He's the only lion that we have to go to for protection. He's the only lion that we can run to and find peace. He's the only lion we can go to and find the grace of God overflowing over our hearts and our lives. We go on in 1 Peter, it says, Resist him and be firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings you have experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Church, the whole world is suffering right now. The whole world is in a need right now. First time that I can ever remember, and if you'll be honest with yourself, the first time any of us have ever seen this, where the whole entire world is suffering and hurting. We've been suffering and we've been hurting, but it's the first time we've publicly acknowledged it. The whole world has been suffering and hurting through sin, but we haven't acknowledged that, but we will acknowledge it when it becomes a virus that's epidemic. And sin has been running rampant in hearts and lives since the Garden of Eden. And we've lost, we've lost our concern over that. Because it might offend someone to tell them that they have, that they have sin in their life. It might offend us to find out we have sin in our own life. 
Peter then said that the devil is prowling like a lion. Not that he is a lion, not that he could become a lion, and not that he's ever been a lion, but that he acts like a lion. Today the enemy will come at us like they have power to defeat us, like they can devour us, and like they can cause us harm. But if we call it by name, call it what it is, a cheap knockoff wannabe of the original, a toothless, all-noise, no-bite nuisance, annoying and irritating pain in our side, bully. That's what the devil is. He has no authority unless we give him authority. Jesus is the only one that has the authority. And unless we open the door and say, here you are, he has no authority. Church, it's time that we stand united and call the enemy by its name. Because we are not in this alone. Did you hear me? We are not in this battle alone. We have the Lord on our side. Peter says we're not going through it alone. Fellow believers and fellow Christians and fellow people of the faith around the world are standing just like we are today. United together for the good of the gospel. This morning, as I said, and I watched the news and just a little bit of it, and then I, I, I picked up my phone and I started scrolling through Facebook, and I saw country after country after country where people in cities and towns and villages were down on their knees, standing with their hands raised, praying to a God and asking Him for forgiveness, asking Him for peace, asking Him for a cure, asking Him to bring in to their homes and their families and their countries forgiveness for what man has done and bring back the goodness of His love. There are actually people, there are actually senators, elected officials all around the world that are standing and weeping begging God to forgive their countries for what they have turned away from and asking God to forgive them so we can go back to Him. All around the world, Peter said, people are going to suffer. The devil is screaming, you're in trouble. God's screaming, I'm in control. When the devil is hurling insults and shouting out things against us, the church needs to start to worship and to sing praise. When the devil says that we're defeated, the church needs to shout, we're the victors. On that day, as David stood with his brothers, Goliath started shouting the same old insults. How many of you sitting here this morning, how many of you have heard the same insults thrown at you from the world day after day, time after time, month after month, and year after year? We look around our communities and we look around in our, in our society that we live in today and people are carrying labels around because we want to put a name on them. We want them to know that they have a problem. We want them to know that they're different from us. So we label them and we give them a name. Church, this morning I want you to know that there's only two names that God gives us. You're either lost or you're found. That's the only two that matter to God. 
that when we start hurling insults and names out at them, they're already under oppression by the devil. They already feel like they're defeated. And it's time God's church stood up and said the unlovable is love, the unwanted is wanted, and the uncared for is my brother or sister. And I'm going to share with them the gospel and let them know what true love is all about. Church, it's time we named our enemy. And it's time we rebuked those same insults that were being hurled at us. A few weeks ago, as we were going through, starting in Samuel, we started looking at the names, the places that they were at, and what the meanings were. God was trying to tell them, He is there and in control and always with them. But just like Peter, when he stepped out of the boat, when he looked at the waves, he lost his faith. And he started to sink. Church, today there are many of us that are sinking because we have taken off and not looked at Christ, but we're looking at what the world says. We remember a few weeks ago that we looked at Goliath and what we've always thought he was. A giant, a bohemoth, a monster. We find that his name actually means to reveal and to uncover. To show what is truly inside. And here are all the men of Israel, the mightiest men, the men that are being paid to go out and defend the country, the men that are being paid to fight a battle are afraid and weak and beginning to run. And they begin to retreat. But the servant from the father heard all the insults. David, in verse 25, and it said, And all the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that we come up against? Church, I want to tell you this morning, there are many people that believe the problem they face every day is larger than life and it's bigger than anything that can take care of it. They fear it. They're afraid of it. It is revealed unto them in their heart and in their life. They can't do this. The man of Israel said, He is here surely to defile us. And it shall be that the man that killeth him The king will enrich him with great riches and give his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Church, today I want you to know that we're hearing the same old insults, the same old accusations, the same old challenges as the devil is always hurled out of his mouth. But the king, our king, has said that the one that kills this one that defiles us He will make wealthy and give him his daughter as his bride and make their house free. Well, church, this morning I want you to know that this was just a forerunner and it was a a vision from Samuel out to us about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because, you see, God sent his own son to challenge the devil. God sent his own son to meet the devil on the battlefield we call life. We saw that after his son, God's son, was baptized by John the Baptist that he went in the wilderness 40 days. And he fought the temptations that the devil had to throw at him. And during that time, every time that the devil challenged him, God's son gave us strength and something we could use. No, he didn't quote something new. He didn't just 
call the angels out. No, he looked at God's word and he quoted scripture to the devil. And he defeated the devil for 40 days and 40 nights with every challenge he threw at him. And then the devil let him go. And Christ went on. And then Christ faced him again. Christ faced him again on a cross. He faced him on the battlefield called Golgotha, the place of the skull. With his body torn, his flesh ripped, bleeding, beaten, and bruised, the demons of hell cheered as they watched him stumble and stagger up the hill. They knew this was the time that they could defeat him. They knew this was the point that the accusations would dig in deep. And they would hurt him. But yet he still raged the war. You could hear the cries of God's people as they stood near, terrified and weak from the battles. Watching their king, watching their savior be crucified. But as the king's son was beaten, battered and bruised and weary from the fight, and Satan seemed to think he had him defeated, he even hung his head and cried out, It is finished. And he gave up the ghost and died. And the devil stood on his side of the valley declaring the victory was his, shouting his usual words. But Satan did not know that when Christ hung his head and cried, It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. What he was actually crying was, The battle has been won. My life has been given that your life could be set free. My life was torn and broken and battered so your broken and batteredness could be made whole. So that you could be declared king and lords over what the world has because I have made you that. I have given you that through the price that I paid. And all of a sudden, all the demons in hell began to tremble because it was very evident to them that what they thought they had won, God's Son had become the victor over. For three days, he went around believing he had won. But oh, on that third, that third and glorious morning, all the acclamations that were shouted by the devil since the Garden of Eden were silenced. And all of the household of the Lord was set free. Free from the hurts, free from the pains, free from the sting of death, free from the separation between them and the Father, free from the fears and made the victors through the one that defeated the enemy. God's Son fought the battle. And for that, God's Son was raised from the dead. And that same power that raised our God's Son from the dead, that raised Jesus Christ, lives and dwells inside of us. So when the world hurls those names and those insults at Him, at us, we can call it by name and tell Him He's a defeated foe that stands no hope with God's Son as our guide. Today we can be free from the taxes of sin levied against us. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I hate taxes. I really do. 
I think it's the awfulest thing in this world. I understand what they're for. I understand why they're there. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't know who this FICA person is, but I don't like them. And I don't like a lot of the other things that they do. But I'm going to tell you one thing that I do like. I do like that I know that I know that I know that I know that the tax of death that was levied against us in the Garden of Eden when man first sinned, that God's Son paid the price on the cross and that tax will never be required of me again. And I can live forever free in the house of God because He paid the price. And I can name that name, that name above all names, as Jesus is the one that paid that price. All of the guilt and shame that we've carried, His Son has erased from our minds and from our lives. All the pain, suffering, and sickness, God's Son took them to the cross, bore them for us, and left them nailed there. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 12, says, He is despised and rejected by men. He is a man of sorrows. Church, many of us today are despised and rejected of men because we don't conform to the world's ways, because we don't give in to what the world says we need to give in to. We are despised and rejected because we stand with God and not with the world. Said he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Church, I want to tell you this morning, I know that there are people sitting here. There are people that are watching on Facebook. There are people around this community that are full of sorrows and they're acquainted with grief. They wake up every morning defeated. They go to bed every night worn out from the battle. And they are sorrowful in their sleep because they are, don't, they are living what the world says they have to live. But we don't have to live that way anymore because God's Son paid the price for us. And He said, We hid as if it, was, it were our faces from Him. He is despised and we esteemed Him not. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I can remember a time in my lifetime when there were no activities on Sundays or Wednesdays because that was the day God's children gathered together. I can remember a time when you started off school in the morning and you said the Pledge of Allegiance, but you ended that with a prayer to God Almighty. I can remember when we went to the lunchroom and walked in to eat that the teacher of our class said a prayer over us before we left the classroom to go out. And I can remember when it was all right to stand up at a ball game. And after they sung the, ple the Pledge of Allegiance and after everything else, before the first ball was thrown, before the first down was played, or anything else, there was somebody gave up a prayer thanking God for what we had. We have taken it from being an esteemed thing and made it a curse because we've listened to what the world says. We've hid our faces from Him and we have despised His very name. Surely He has borne our griefs and He's carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. 
but he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and we've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid in him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to slaughter and as a sheep before the shearers is dumb. He opened not his mouth. He has taken from prison and from judgment and has declared his generation. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he was made and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Because he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul a suffering, an offering for sin, that he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And he shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he bears their iniquities, therefore I will divide a portion with him, a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with his transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors church did you hear what he said Samuel told us in verse number 25 that the king shall make the man's household free in the land of Israel he will make him rich and he'll give him his daughter as his bride church this morning because God's son was obedient to the will of God. God made him rich and then he said that he would split that with us and we would become heirs and join heirs with the son of God. And that he would pour out upon us freedom like we've never had. And God said that you, the one that died, I will give you my bride. The bride is the church. And so this morning, we are God's son's bride and we are the church and we are rich beyond means because God's son gave us the right to claim it as ours. We can name it today as a victory in our lives because we have sin defeated through the blood of the lamb. We have business that is taken care of when we are sick. God's son has gave us the healing power. And when we are alone, God's Son said, I'll stand with you. So this morning, as we look at what God's Word said, He gave us in Samuel that the one that dies and defeats the foe will be made rich. And He'll share it with His household. I'm so glad this morning that I stand as a member of God's household. Now I know where I live. I live right across the yard over there. And I want to tell you, I'm glad for that. But that's not my household. My household is a heavenly home 
where there is no more sorrow, where there is no more pain, where there is no more suffering, where there is no more lockdowns, where there is no more doing without. My land is a home of plenty up on the glorious side of John. And I can stand on that land and I can rejoice and praise God and not have to worry about condemnation from the world because I've been set free and I'm no longer a slave to the world. But I'm a child of the King. That is what I am free of today. This morning I can name sin exactly what it is. It's a liar. It's a falsehood. Sin is not where God wants us to be at. Sin is what the world wants to keep us in and what the devil says we deserve. But where God wants us is by His side with His Son as a victor over over death, hell, and the grave. Today we are the victors because He is with us. While we listen to the needs of our brothers in Christ, we can be assured He's calling us by our name. A couple of years ago we had a sermon and I said that the devil will call you by your sin but Christ will call you by your name. And this is what Goliath was doing that morning as he stood there on the side of that valley. He was calling out the sins and he was naming their their transgressions and he was shaming them. And God's son stood on the cross that day as his arms outstretched and he called out to us, each one of us by name. And he said, I'm doing this for Michael. I'm doing it for Messiah. I'm doing it for, for Don. I'm doing it for Steve. I'm doing it for Chris. I'm doing it for all the world. And he called each one of our names out and said, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. Come unto me, all ye that thirst. I'll bear your burdens and I'll feel, fill up that thirst, that emptiness in your life. So when the devil calls names, he's calling our past. But thank God I serve a God that's calling us to our future. Today, will you hear his call and respond to him? Today, what name are you being called? The world has many for us. God only has two. Lost or found. And that's the only names that matter. When we stand before God and when we go through through the judgment, the only names that will ever matter is welcome in my good and faithful servant or depart from me for I never knew you. Today, what name will you call it? Will you call it sin? Will you're lost and dying and going to hell? Or will you call it salvation where you're free and going to heaven? Father, this morning we thank you for the name that you've given us. Father, that new name. That name that says that I am yours forever. That name that calls me to peace. That name that comforts me in the middle of the night when I don't know what the next day is going to bring. That name above all names. Through your son Jesus who paid the price for each and every one of us 
There's not one here on this earth that your son did not pay the price for. There's not one walking around today, laying in a bed, sitting on a couch, wherever they're at, that your son did not pay the price for. Satan will tell us that the world is, is broke, there's no more left. It's all in the past. But your son died on the cross that we could all have the future and know that our names are written down. We studied in Revelations that we're given a new name. A new name. A name that is above the name that we have now. And that name is a child of a king. So Father, today as we look around and we see hearts and lives and homes and families that are are afflicted, just like Peter projected it would be, just like Peter said, all around the world our brothers and sisters would suffer affliction. But if we turn and go to a God that saves, if we turn and go to the God that cares, and we turn to a go and go to the God that loves, we'll find that hope that we've never had before. Father, today as we stand, we stand united as one in the body of Christ. We stand united and one through the blood of the Lamb. And we know we're guarded and protected from the line of the tribe of Judah. Father, today we thank you. We thank you for that offer, Lord, that you freely give us for the joy that you've restored to us, and for the, Father, for the championship that you've bestowed upon us through the salvation that your Son gave us. Father, today we ask that you be with those that are sick. Lord, we ask for a miraculous healing in their lives that only you can get the glory and credit for. Father, we ask today that you be with those where where the death angel has invaded this week and families are hurting and suffering, that you would institute peace into their hearts and their lives. Father, this week we're those that have brought new life into this world. Father, we ask that as that child is born, that they come in on a firm foundation in a home that is grounded and rooted in your word to give them the start, Father, that they need to establish them as a child of the King from the very beginning. Lord, we also ask that you be with our service next week as we join together. Father, as we go outdoors again and we, we proclaim the good news that Jesus saves, and most of all, that he's alive. And we worry about churches being empty, but I praise your name that there's a tomb that's still empty today because your son rose victorious and sits at your right hand. Lord, as we leave this place today, we ask that you guard each heart, each life. Father, protect them as they go about their daily business. Lord, that the blood of the lamb that's applied over the hearts and over their lives, Lord, will cause this to pass over them and they'll feel no more pain, no more sorrow, no more heartache. 
they would only have joy. Father, today we thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. And Lord, we pray this in your Son's holy name. Amen.